Hey everybody, this is Nuggets in Verse. I'm your host, Philip Shear. I have long-form conversations with entrepreneurs, athletes, working folks, and anyone with a story to tell. I hope you find your nugget of truth or inspiration in this episode. All right, my guest today is Jody Passlage. Uh, him and his wife own other trails, coffee shop and goods. So I'm sure you're familiar if you're a local. And Jody is probably my first guest that that I talk to on a regular basis, on, like like consistently multiple times a week. So uh, we're gonna give this uh, we're gonna give this a go. So how's it going today, Jody? It is going well. Kind of a theme of a podcast so far, just accidentally has been small town, and and you know definitely some local things, um, local to uh, Excelsior. Am I correct? I was raised, came here when I was three. I, I think that you and I share something that we've got grand ideas, and uh, we're a little bit of of dreamers. I would imagine that. Um, other trails is, is a little bit of that, is a little bit of a dream that you guys made come true um, here in the last year. It's a little bit of an accidental dream. We knew we wanted to do something. We just didn't know what. And for considering a bookstore, I mean, we had at least 12 bookcases ready to go. And when we went to go purchase them, and this was during COVID, they were out. And I was so thankful for that because after that, we kind of regrouped and did some more talking and like everybody's talking about the coffee and we're like, you know, maybe we should go down this road and investigate. And here we've already bought a building. We bought a building with no plan. And, and so we uh, dropped the books. I mean, we, had, we do have some books now, not like what we were planning on having. But uh, so sorry. <laughs> Don't be sorry at all. <laughs> it is like I can't think with this here. <laughs> well, I understand that. Um, well, so so I knew before you opened other trails um, that you guys were talking about the the bookshop idea, and like a bookshop idea, especially in a small town does kind of feel like a like a natural thing like bookshops like have and are doing something of, that nobody else is doing in downtown mm-hmm. you don't want to be a repeat of rye or willow springs or ventana you know you just don't want to you know step on people's feet and just trying to find that that one thing and it was odd with having a coffee shop downtown at one time you know in, in our history downtown had you know the mug um and they had moved uptown, you still, I still felt like we were stepping on their toes. And so we um, had still talked to a few people, and they said, it's no problem. They're uptown, you're downtown, it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And so far it has. So far it's been really fine. Um, what I think is really neat about other trails is, and I don't know if you guys you know, expected this or planned on this, but it, it really feels like if – uh, a presidential candidate were to roll into town to uh, uh, do their photo op at a like a like a diner or a coffee shop. Like other trails is the place they would come to do that uh, meet and greet. 
Maybe us or Ray's. I think Ray's It could is be Ray's as well. Ray's is one of those. And things. love Ray's of death, but a little smaller, right? Yeah, it's a little smaller. And I think so. that is why, and, and I look, I you and I both frequent Ray's a lot too, and uh, um, definitely is that's a little bit of a meeting place too. Um, but I think just due to its size, um, other trails is going to become that de facto, um, like, hey, let's meet up for a – um, you know, a quick business meeting or, um, let's, you know, I'm going to come down here and do some homework or maybe I'm just, maybe this is going to be my office. Right. For, <laughs> for a week. We, we know a few of those, right? We know a few. <laughs> and, uh, and talking to Ed last week, um, like that's, that's where he goes to get his like social interaction. It is. And, and yeah, it, it's good for people. I mean, I didn't realize how it was good for me. I mean, I was locked away in a basement for six, seven years, and it got really bad during COVID. I mean, the whole building was nearly empty, and yeah. didn't realize how much you just need to talk to people. Yep. So. Uh, pull that mic just a little closer. I was trying to get it away from me. <laughs> <laughs> it's your friend, Jody. It's your friend. <laughs> um, but, you know, almost every day I walk in, um, I see a different group of people. Um, I see folks from... Uh, city government. Um, I see there's never a time I don't come in where I don't see friends and people that I know. And uh, like uh, town needs that. And I think you and you and Linda have really provided well, provided that. And when we started that, that space seems so big. And now I'm like, it is so small. And I'm, I'm trying to, I mean, you're helping me. Mm-hmm. We're, we're trying to expand the basement and, you know, provide some more space for people. But I just remember walking in going, you know, and there used to be a wall that divided, you know, the building or the space. And it's just become so small. I've been in there where I'm like, there's nowhere else for people to sit. And it's too cold outside. So, you know, Mm -hmm. the growth is is incredible to me. And the building where I thought it was gigantic has become really tiny. So, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, you you put a kitchen in there and, and supplies and, and tables and it probably does get a little smaller um what's some of the history of the of the building uh, it started off as a confectionery um i think the longest thing it's ever been was the gas company even though it had different vendors i guess inside there while it was a gas company um gas company was the longest most recent history everybody remembers it as the uh old english garden shop i even have some memories of it being the old english garden shop so but i think i think now we're we're setting the stage for it to be other trails for a while (laughs) i know that you've uh so you've like just knowing you before other trails i knew that you were a a fan of coffee um but I don't know that you imagined that you would become um, a barista and and uh, probably ever learn so much about coffee. Well, and I still don't know everything I need to know. There's still so much to learn. I would say I'm a good 80% there, maybe 85% as far as knowledge of coffee and everything that we do. Um, but there are people that come in and just stun me with their coffee knowledge. And Yeah, everybody has their, everybody has their thing. I think you can, you know, taste and feel the heart in other trails. And I think that's probably what matters more than anything is like you can feel um, 
kind of the the heart that you and Linda have put into it. Right. Tell me about a little bit about your about the coffee that you guys uh, sell and kind of how you discovered it because I think this is interesting because um, you're obviously. Uh, you're not serving up Folgers coffee at no, other trails. And, and we're not roasting our own. And But I think it's important. I don't know what I would be doing if I was roasting my own. I, I think it'd be just another burnt bean-type flavor. I don't know if I'm describing that quite, quite mm-hmm. right. I just, I've had, you know, people's roast, and they're, they almost all have that similar taste. Conscious Coffee is doing with theirs, and they're out of Colorado, out of Boulder, um, is amazing. And the flavor variances. Um, we have this new Blue Sky, and it's an Ethiopian. And I always thought, well, I'm a bold, you know, roast kind of coffee guy, and and this Blue Sky being a light roast is just over the top good. Um, the flavor notes, and uh, it's just really good. And we're not going to roast our own beans. What do we do? And we actually started off with messenger coffee out of Kansas City and talked to them months out from opening, at least three or four months out from opening, and he hadn't contacted us back. And we're like, okay, what do we do? And we had been to Frisco and um, had some coffee at a place called Salt and Bread. And, or I may have that backwards, maybe Bread and Salt. Um, I remember having that cup of coffee there, and it was so good. It was like one of the best cup of coffees I've ever had. And called them up. I remember the place and just said, can I get your, uh, who's roasting your coffee? Can we, you know, get a hold of them? Never got a word back and went out for the triple bypass bike ride. And we stopped back in there again, and we had a waitress that was just just wonderful and she brought us the bag over with the the name location phone number and and we made our contacts and and it has worked out so well because if we'd had messenger we would just be another messenger stop in kansas city and not that they're bad but everybody has that here at other trails we've got something that you're not getting unless you're in colorado so it's it's kind of nice to have that flavor add to the city our city into Kansas City. So. Yeah, definitely. When I started, um, it, I, I didn't drink coffee until very late in life, so probably in the last um, man, the last five years. And I kind of started out drinking uh, flavored coffee. Uh, shout out to Willspring, who has a lot of flavored coffee. And so you first get into coffee, and maybe you're not a, a huge fan of um, the taste of coffee, I kind of started out there with with some flavored coffee, and then after a while, I was like, "Oh my!" Like for me, like drinking flavored coffee every day just felt like too much, too much, like too rich or something. The natural place, like the cool place, like if you really don't know coffee, which I really don't know coffee, so everyone can just ignore me here. <laughs> but uh, the kind of natural place I think you go is I'm going to drink black coffee. I'm going to drink like a dark like a dark coffee because I think you feel like that's the that's the coffee that's gonna like have the most like impact on you and the most caffeine and then I was talking to somebody and they're like oh like it's actually the opposite um the the more the beans are roasted the less the caffeine and I had you know never knew that and then I started gravitating to 
lighter coffee. And then I found like, like this is my place when it comes to coffee, this is what I want. So, um, and I had had a way too much about this regular person's coffee <laughs> likes, but I'd, I'd had a uh, subscription to, to roast roasteries coffee for many years. And that's really where I found that I liked lighter coffee. And then that subscription ran out and I was trying to decide what to do. I'm like, well, I, I've, you know, I've got to buy co- coffee from Jody now. Right. So, and the conscious coffee is, is fantastic. Um, yeah. It really is. And, I'm glad that I'm a convert over to conscious coffee. So, so I need to try the blue sky. We just got it back in today. Um, we'll be brewing it back up next week. It's going to be a light roast for a good month. It's real nice. And don't they do some, as far as their like sourcing of coffee, um, single source organic, you, they can tell you where that coffee bean came from, who picked it, what. Which village picked it? Which I don't think there's too many companies that they deal with, but it's such a small. They're doing good work mm-hmm. with the small, small individual growers. Yeah, seems like there's been a push in in coffee and in a lot of things to try to get the money directly to directly to the farmers, as opposed to kind of just getting a tiny little chunk and then a lot of people up the food chain taking all the profits. So right. That's, that's definitely a neat thing. So, uh, so other trails is also, you not only started one business, you actually started two at the same <laughs> time. So, um, above other trails is the overlook. The overlook. Which, mm-hmm. it, well, we had an apartment up above and when we bought the building, we kind of sort of thought the person up there was going to stay. We didn't at that time realize it was the owner. And as soon as she's done, she's out. And, well, we thought we'll just rent it out to somebody else. And then I don't remember if it was Linda. I think it had to be Linda or if somebody gave us the idea of doing an Airbnb. And so we looked into it and, like, let's just give it a shot. It'll leave the space open during the week for us. And we can make all the noise we want to during the week downstairs, mm-hmm. you know. And and that has turned out to be great. Uh, the Overlook is just that little bit of butter on the bread it's just it it helps reduce the the mortgage i mean we bought the building and that helps us keep our prices kind of stable and lower some of those things have been quite hard to keep stable for the last year and a half with covid i mean cups run out you for a moment there it was like it was butter then it's two percent and then it's eggs and then you know what is next on the line of of items that we're needing to to deal with with either it being out or the price has just jumped and it's it's been a rough start i don't know for us it might be easier because we're just going into it with that problem whereas other restaurants that have always had a stable or basically a a small growth increase and maybe a supply problem every once in a while they didn't have that or i don't know how to say it but they they had to go from a norm to an abnormal. This has just been normal for us. Mm-hmm. I just got a great idea, Jody. How many times a week do I say this to you? Uh, uh, I don't know. Once, <laughs> twice, three times. All right. So you've got the garden out back. Chickens. Couple dairy cows. We need. We need a dairy cow. <laughs> I- 
You could put a small farm in the, uh, and then it could also serve as like uh, like a petting zoo. People can go out to the garden to drink their coffee, and then you know pet the chickens and the and the cow. No, I have I have joked. I I had no idea how much milk we would go through. I'm amazed at how much milk we go through. I downstairs I have an open stall. If we if we if we want to start doing farm to market, I like this idea. We can bring up uh, Lucia like every morning to milk the cow. I think that's a I, great idea. This is a great idea. Huh. Can I don't know if you can legally serve uh, raw milk. I don't is that, know. Is that allowed? I, I, I don't know. It probably has to be pasteurized. But yeah. we're gonna have to talk about this some more. <laughs> it's a good thing Stacy's not here. <laughs> All right. So, uh, other trails is not. Um, well, let's let's go back to the overlook because I wanted to point out that I think that Stacy and I were the first. You were the to first. Stay in the, you know, it's always it's always cool to be the first. Um, first fly on the podcast on the <laughs> microphone. Um, the the overlook is for anyone that hasn't seen it. Um, I would happily make that my residence. Like I would happily live there. Um, it, it's, it's a kind of a it's, posh space. Like it's, it's nice. It's posh. It is centered in town. Like I don't think too many other places. I mean, there's other bed and, or Airbnbs around, but I don't know. We've got a great view of Broadway and it's a single space. It's not gigantic. If uh, if you come into town and maybe the first place you look is the Elms, which Elms is an, is incredible, right? But um, I think right now rooms at the Elms are right around three hundred dollars. I'm I'm not sure where you guys are at. We are at two hundred. Uh, I'm sorry, one fifty without the Airbnb fees. Mm-hmm. And and you're gonna have like at an apartment size place to stay. You can walk right down the stairs and get your morning cup of coffee. You're, uh, you know, a block away from Willow Spring and uh, and all the shops. Pretty pretty convenient space. It doesn't really get much better for Excelsior. No. Um, and the Hall of Waters. I uh, I always like to think about those back windows. Somebody stood there in that building and watched the Hall of Waters get built. That building's been around since 1908. It's it's a pretty neat chunk of history that's like a that's a really interesting vision to have is i never you know some one of those things i wouldn't have thought of yeah like somebody literally stood there and watched that happen yeah so this isn't your first uh business venture um which a lot of people might not know and i think probably because what you and linda have done has been um, been really successful and the community has really rallied around it. I'm guessing that, um, you know, ha- having that experience of, of having a previous um, business venture um, helped you kind of um, succeed at the current one. It did. We, uh, we originally, way back when we first got married, my parents had an antique store downtown and where Dubious Claims is now. The wild bird feed you know, popular, that, that little specialty store uh, with feeders and fountains and everything was really hot. And we just, I think my parents gave us a, a 
good little chunk of money and we invested into our first bit and it went crazy. I mean, it, it was popular. It was madly popular. And we bird seed and nectars and feeders and garden items. I mean, I, I guess we, for a little bit, we were looking on probably a little bit like old English garden shop. Um, without trying, we were just downtown and, um, it got popular enough that we decided we were going to try to venture out on our own, have our own little space. And do you remember when Bob's IGA was in town? Were you here then? I was not here, but I'm familiar with the, okay. with the building. Yes. Um, and the license bureau was right there. And we were right across the street um, in that little section behind the, behind the gas station that um, most people in town are familiar with. I think it's Ray Cave's little retail area just just smashing it we were doing great and the license bureau moved and then bob's closed and it dried up because there was not a reason for people to come to this side of town like they used to and our our little specialty shop just kind of sunk and we didn't give up we uh went and talked with keith cobb who was running westview garden center at the time and said do you got any space Maybe we could put this in there. And he said he had to talk because it would be a sublease that he was leasing, and, and uh, we, we did. It was good. And I kept looking down at 69 Highway that was below, I mean, a very busy highway, um, the garden center, and I just could not imagine why we could not draw people just, just a quarter mile, not even a quarter mile, maybe a tenth of a mile up the hill, to come into the store, but it, it was a struggle. And I think after about two years there, we just we just kind of folded and gave up. Um, it was a hard lesson, especially a shop with bird seed that Walmart can sell for pennies below us. It's it's rough, mm-hmm. and people want the bulk stuff. So so we gave it up, and but we had a little dream, I guess, we because kept thinking about owning our own little business in town and didn't stop but until the right building came up. One of the things that you had mentioned about about that business when it was in the Dubious Claims Building, oh. um, this is just those neat little things that I hope to pull out of the podcast. So if we were to go into Dubious Claims today, what might we see on the floor? So on the, on the would you say that's the east side of Dubious? On the eastern side, the, where the, you go out on the back patio, that was just like the back room. We had our little bird store in there, and I don't remember who gave us the barn wood, but we got some barn wood, and we made this facade of a little red barn on the on one of the walls. And uh, I'm a sloppy painter. I'm a horrible painter. Never hire me. Um, <laughs> Nor I. <laughs> but if you go into Dubious and you look on the floor... There's some red paint that's on the floor, and I'm, I'm sorry, Neil. Um, <laughs> but we had, yeah, a little bit of a stain from the original shop that we had there in my mom and dad's store. It's still left there. When you told me that, I was just like, as, as benign of a thing that as that is, like kind of into our to our downtown and into our city and, and little nuggets of, of uh, history and things, um, I just think... That's just neat that you can, I could walk into uh, 
dubious and have a beer and and like turn to somebody and say, you know where that red paint came from? <laughs> <laughs> My buddy Jody. <laughs> Sloppy painter. <laughs> Sloppy painter. So, um, so I wanted you to bring that up because I thought uh, that would be interesting um, or like a tiny little like piece of history that, uh, that no one else would know. So, a couple of podcasts ago, you had the director of the gravel race that just happened. Um, I've forgotten both his name yep. and the gravel race. Eric Sutter. Yeah. Eric Sutter. Open and, range. And it was interesting. He brought up something called, and I'm throwing this at you, because <laughs> <laughs> you brought up the golden handcuffs to me. I'd never heard that term before until mm-hmm. you brought it up, and I heard him say it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Come on, Phil. Say something. But... <laughs> Well, and Mark talked about this too. Was it? Well, maybe it was Mark. Maybe. I think it was Mark. I yeah. apologize. I apologize. Yeah. Wrong, wrong person. Yep. Yeah, it was Mark. I, I yep. yeah. Now I remember. Um, and I, I could hear that pause. I could hear the pause you had because you need to step out. Yep. And somehow get those cuffs off and start something. How well, do we get there? This is this is a something. This is a something. Yep. This is a something. Um, is it? Is it? Because you've always talked about having something down or something to be a part of Excelsior. I won't say downtown, but something to be a part of Excelsior. Well, I think what um, what's hard is kind of how I was raised. And not only raised by my parents, but raised by the community that I grew up in and, and a, the small school that I went to. And this is a story that I've told a bunch. Um, I don't know if, if it's ever come up our conversation before. Um, but it was really a defining moment for me in my life. And this is going deep on the golden handcuff conversation. I want to go there. Yeah. So, um, I remember when I was in high school, we had a kind of like a, not like an assembly, but we had a, I don't know what to call it, an event or something where our whole class went into the library and I can still picture it. I can still picture my classmates sitting around me and we were in the library at the high school and they brought some, they brought some folks in to talk to us about careers and our future and employment. I want to say they had some folks who, um, a gentleman who I think worked for John Deere and I think they had, you know, a couple other people and all the folks they brought in to talk to us were people who had, at this point in my life, looking back, had very regular jobs. And I remember that one of these gentlemen that were in there that was there to talk to us about our futures or our employment or what we're going to do when we uh, graduated high school. One of these guys said, posed a question. He said, can any, and understand that I grew up in uh, Southeast Iowa, um, like an hour and a half from Des Moines, uh, the next biggest you know town near us was probably twenty thousand people, so I went to a very small rural school. There wasn't a lot of people who were well off, so keep that in mind. But he posed this question and said, "Can anyone tell me um, what a good living is, or how much money you hope to make when you graduated high school?" And uh, my classmate says thirty thousand dollars. So this was probably in the uh, late, you know, late nineties, uh, probably mid nineties, probably 94, 95. So one of my classmates says $30,000. 
And where I grew up, and it's hard to say, it's hard to believe now, but that $30,000 a year job was like, if your parents were pulling down 30 grand a year, those, those kids' parents were doing well. Right. And I sound like an old man talking right now about, because obviously inflation and stuff like that. But the, the guy goes, well, do you know how much an hour you would have to make to get $30,000 an hour? And the guy goes, $15 an hour. And the air got sucked out of the room. Right. Like every one of us kids in that class, graduating class of like 35, by the way, just yeah. gasped. Because we knew how much our parents made, and we knew how much our older siblings made, and and fifteen dollars an hour felt a little unattainable. Right. And then I think they went on to talk about going to college and and things like this, so that you could make fifteen dollars an hour. And now we're at a point where fifteen dollars an hour is, um, you know, is pretty much entry level yeah. um, for for most jobs. And so I always think about that because. Like I knew where I that was the benchmark to have a comfortable a comfortable life where you weren't you weren't constantly struggling. And so when you grow up and you work really hard and um, you try to do more and more with your life and and make more money and and um, like I feel like I've done I've I feel like I've worked really hard and I've sacrificed a lot to be where I'm at now is super difficult to just say, hey, I'm going to throw caution to the wind and I'm going to leave, um, I'm going to leave an opening to, to really fail or to, to give up all that I've worked for. I understand that. And right now, Linda and I are, are living that portion of giving up everything and kind of winging it and living a dangerous life because one bad incident, which we almost had in February, uh, can ruin everything. I mean, mm-hmm. just absolutely shut us down. Um, but you gotta live. You gotta. So you gotta live. So that's the thing I also recognize. So I, I like felt like I was built and designed. Like the person I am now was was built and designed. Honestly, do what I'm doing now, which is, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm giving up a lot of of time, um, a lot of, a big portion of my life, um, to, to a career, um, for stability and, and comfort. But what I'm, what I also recognize is, you know, what am I missing out on? So have you thought, and and I'm just looking around the space that we're in right now, which is so cool doing something along construction lines, maybe doing something where you're using the creativity that you have and the building experience that you have and, and doing something like that. And you would still have free time. You would still, I don't know. I, I see the potential yeah. in you. I mean, for sure, my strongest suit is, look, I, I'm a, I've been a creative person since I was a little kid. So it's, it's very valuable to me. But monetizing that is is a whole nother, whole nother thing, right? And uh, when, when people... When people pay for something, um, you know, there's a standard. And so, you know, so I've, yeah, so the space we're sitting in, I've, I've, I've done a lot and, and, uh, it's beautiful. It is. Um, and it's, it's not done and yet. And it's not done yet. <laughs> so, uh, but, um, then you have to ask yourself is like the way that I, 
put this together and the way that I constructed it, does that meet the the rigorous kind of expectations of somebody who's handing you money for it? And I think that's what has always um, been the thing that's given me, given me pause of going that direction. So, well, maybe it'd be just special projects or something. I it would probably be a very awesome special project. And and with something like that, you take on a job. It's it's a three months, a six month job. But then you're on to a new job and a new project. And if you could just reclaim old wood and and turn it into something like this, pretty amazing, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Okay. All right. All right. You know, I, I keep pushing you. I, I, I I'm. I, I, I like to think I'm a I'm a humble person, but but I you know I also recognize that you know I got a little bit of. I, this the creativity I have, um, you know, it's something, right? You, it's something. You were meant for something more than corporate world. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but also that corporate world, you know, allowed me to have the money to, to yeah to do to do this too. So but it's it's uh it's it's hard. It's it my hope has always been. I guess you know I played in a band, played music for many many years. Um, and my hope was always that I could work a job and and not be a starving artist and destitute, and somehow on the side be a musician and play in this band, and eventually um, it would grow to a level that I could put the job down. I don't know if that's a good. It it feels like a responsible way to do it. In the end. Um, I think for most people that have found success in creative endeavors, um, they've they've thrown caution to the wind. They've they've let let go of the side of the pool and just went for it. And, and I'm bad about doing that. Linda can tell you that. <laughs> so I, I was just going to say, just yeah. but going back with Linda, and she has a right to worry. I mean, we we have a lot of, to do with that one little business. But if and she just recently retired from her regular job you know she's at other trails but i keep telling her what would what would you do what what are you going to do i mean if we didn't have this sit at home i mean i know there's gardening Mm -hmm. and different things that you can do but i don't think you would have this action this interaction this life that we have if if you just retired and went off to the side Mm -hmm. it would be boring and i know we could go on vacations and adventures but you can't do that 24 7 you still have to have something. And I, I feel like with having done this, we're starting to get to a point where we might be able to go on that little adventure here, hopefully coming up, and still have the business, hopefully have somebody there to, to run it. Mm-hmm. you got to, I don't know, I throwing caution in the wind is scary and rough, but sometimes it pays off. And if it doesn't, you still got friends. We'll, we'll We'll take care of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My experience, like trying to become a professional musician or to make to be successful as a songwriter, you know, I did that for many, 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 many years. I can't tell you how many times I, you know, how many times I said to myself, like, you know, this is the last year I'm gonna really dedicate to this. Or by the time I'm 35, I'm done. By the time I'm 25, I'm done. Um, if I don't make it or I don't, I can't make it a success because when you're doing it in addition to a full-time job or full-time responsibilities, you one, don't, you close doors off on your, in your full-time gig 
which I did for a lot of years. I closed doors because I was still hoping to do this this other thing. And then once I closed down the doors to the creative thing, I, f- I was able to open the doors on the career side. And so it's, it's super tempting. I don't know if there's a, I don't know if there's a, a right or a wrong, but I will say that the people who have, who've really stuck it out and, and, uh, gave it a go and, and made it, you know, they're, they're living their best lives, right? Like it sure seems like they are. Um, and when you're, um, you know, how many rock stars do you know that retire? I mean, they're doing what they love. They're like retirement isn't really a concept, right? Um, and, or if you're an author or you're, you're a painter or you're, um, that's their love and they don't stop. And I even know people who, you know, wildly successful businesses who retire three, four, five times over and just walk away, like sit on the beach the rest of their lives, but they keep doing it and they keep trying to grow their business and they keep trying to do more. And, um, at that point you're, you, you have to ask yourself and plus, you know, I know how they live. I like, I know something about their lifestyle. I know what their house looks like. I know what car they drive. Like at that point, like what's obviously money isn't the motivation it anymore. Isn't. So it's, it's not just creative endeavors. I think it's, it's, it's a matter of people doing the thing that they're in love with and they're passionate about. What's, what is retirement? really when you're when you're doing those things so yeah the the thing about other trails and and doing that is making people happy and I cannot tell you I was so scared when we first started because my training was almost nil on making lattes and if this is not good please let me know this is delicious and I'm like I think they're lying to me I don't I don't think that's probably as good as they're saying and but how awesome is that, <sighs> that you opened a business that sells coffee and coffee drinks, and you're literally telling an, a, a customer, hey, if this isn't good, let me know. Who does that? And this is a compliment. I mean, this is a compliment, Jody. Like, that is just your dedication to actually providing a like a great product. It's your way of ensuring that um, that you continuously get better and that the the people who, you know, patron um, your business are, are happy. Like there's not a lot of people who would, who would, would have the honesty to actually want to discover that from their customer. Well, I do. And it has helped. I mean, the feedback, you know, I can't tell you how many people, you know, gave me, you know, this little thing, you know, or that little thing Mm -hmm. needs to be adjusted Uh, too sweet, too hot, you know, whatever it might've been. And I feel like we have a, very good drink mostly on a on a very regular basis you're not going to get something you order the 100 miler today and it's a different 100 miler tomorrow mm-hmm. so that that really does help training the employees to all have a consistent you know we do this many pumps we do this many ounces and it, it helps and, and you want that customer to be happy and satisfied you, you just don't want to be at mcdonald's and say here you go enjoy your day and mm-hmm. you know you're just <laughs> you're just somebody um in the in the line that passed that food along you don't know who made it we're we're gonna drink off more than likely i or linda or lucia or heather uh maddie 
may have made and you're right there you're you're so close you got to do a good drink good food the she has really come on her own when we first started doing this she did not want to do food service people like to eat Mm -hmm. you know and and, you know we need to you know make money and um and we were just having this discussion today as i you know when i said we were going to do kind of food service i was thinking we were going to do something frozen that we pop in an oven and hand out and we were at a point we we didn't have that supplier, and Linda started doing her own baking. Well, I mean, she's a fabulous baker anyway, mm-hmm. and we can't stop. I don't think we'll ever be able to stop. Yep, she's <laughs> the baked goods are phenomenal. I mean, they're phenomenal, and um, for sure that was something. Like whether you realized or not, that was something for sure that the town was lacking. Um, it was being able to go and get like a. Like fresh big goods, like Don, our friend Don Ledford. He was in yesterday. I think it was yesterday, and he was going to the city, and he'd been at a coffee shop in the city on a Tuesday, I think, and then went on a Wednesday to a different coffee shop. And he said the food goods were the same at both places, or very similar. And he's mm-hmm. like, "Well, it's probably off the same, you know, Cisco truck." Yep. And nothing wrong with that. Nothing absolutely wrong because that's what we were planning on doing. But, boy, it makes a difference to the customers when they see that that little kitchen back there is producing all the, the baked goods. I went to uh, a brewery recently in, um, in Blue Springs. And when I walked in, I looked around, and I'm like, this brewery kind of has the same feel as, like, six other breweries. And there's a little bit of that in coffee shops, too, right? And I think maybe there is something like a feeling that you're looking for or that you want to have when you walk into a coffee shop or a brewery or whatever the business is. So all that is important. But when you come to other trails, especially if you're local and hopefully you feel like you're, you really do feel like you are a part of something when, when you're at other trails, something more than, than your coffee and something more than, you know, like some of the goods that you guys carry or something, there's, there's something happening there. There's a, there's an energy in there. Like you said, I think that that comes from the people you can kind of do all you want to for sure. Like this space, like I'm trying to create a space where like people want to talk and feel comfortable and it's neat, but, but really it's, it's what happens when we're sitting at this table having a conversation. So exactly. So one of the things that I was excited for um, doing the podcast was, not only getting to know people that I don't know or don't know very well, maybe I've had one conversation or two, or maybe I've never talked to them before, but also talking to people that, that I talk to all the time like you. So mm-hmm. there's definitely some, I was kind of hoping to discover some things about folks that I, that I already knew. So there's this weird thing where I know a lot of folks who were in the Navy and for whatever reason, this may be completely inaccurate, but all of these folks uh, tend to be really kind people. It's part of our training and in boot camp is... No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> well, some people have been like, I have no idea why you think that. That's, uh, that's hogwash. But is there something to that? Or is it something about being on a, on a boat for a long time? <laughs> like, um, well, it might be. It might be when you're when you're stuck on a ship with you know x amount of men that generally you got to be nice. I mean, there's nowhere to go. Just 
you know, got to talk to these people. You got to talk to, there are so many cultures, a small little ship that I, what I was on, got to be nice. Mm -hmm. You were on a, on a, on a smaller ship. It was a, it was a cruiser, the Princeton. It was, I think about three or 400 men. And it's one of those things that I have done so many things in my life. I don't typically dwell on anything I've ever done. I'll take pieces of what I did and try to carry it forward into something. But yeah, I was a sailor. I was in the Navy, Gulf War, but that was, you know, what, 30 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the Annie's Furniture guy for probably five years or so. I, I worked for, for Annie's Furniture here in town and, and learned so much. But that was another Jody's lifetime ago. I was worked in the KCATA print shop for I don't know how many years, close to a decade. And I don't even think about that. And that was the last thing I did before the other trails. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, is it something about getting older where, like, when when there are, like, chunks of your life in the past? This is something that I have noticed. There are portions of my life that almost don't even feel like I live them. Like, I'm aware of them. Yeah. But they're, like, but they're back there, and they're not anything. There are still things from my childhood kind of want to draw upon and memories and stuff. Definitely sections of my life that I can put them in a box and tuck them away. I'm like, eh, they're not. Nothing really there to hold on to. No. You know, I was in the military, but I had nothing great. I mean, I was just there. I served. And that's... But that's not true, right? I was thinking about this today. So you said what you just said, but but I I didn't serve, right? In a weird way, I, I think when I talk to people who have, I feel a little bit of guilt, like that I somehow didn't do my part. I mean... So it's but, definitely something. We're lucky enough to be able to do what we want. I was doing nothing. I, I can still remember the day. I was 1920. I I worked at a video store until o'clock or so and went out with my friends and we drank and watched movies all night and I'd come rolling in at two, three in the morning and, and I had no direction in my life. And I just crawled right back in bed and, and I was still with my parents. And I remember that day my dad came in. He booted my bed. It was a Saturday. He says, you need to do something. I'm like, what, huh? (laughs) (laughs) When did the rules change? (laughs) And and, uh, got up and got dressed. And and I can't remember, but we talked. And he said something about the military. And I'm like, okay. And it it was a scary notion, a scary Mm -hmm. notion to go do something like that. Actually, the first time I went, I said, nope, I'm not doing it. And called. And they came and got me. And hadn't raised my hand or anything so mm-hmm. but then I, I gave it some more thought and went back to it I was working security Pinkertons I think at that time and uh the guy I was working with he he gave me a lot of you know it's not that bad and it's just like another job you just gotta go through some rough training at the front end and he wasn't wrong except for the fact that unlike any other job you don't get to quit <laughs> you could try to quit but you don't mm-hmm. get to quit and I wanted to quit a lot of times <laughs> so it, it was just basically a job to me uh, and you had your jobs and we all came to the same place i mean now we're here um but it gave us different life experiences that's all yeah. it was a yeah. life experience it wasn't it wasn't traumatic and it wasn't heroic or anything like that it was, it was just another job i beg to differ a little bit <laughs> at least your representation of yourself uh you you probably hear a lot of things at other trails. I do. Do you hear, hear some things that that you don't want to hear? <laughs> I, 
Heavy. Are you a little bit of a of in in that bartender mode sometimes? I, I am a little bit in the bartender mode. Um, you do hear things, places like I said, it used to feel gigantic, but it is small. Word to everybody out there, it is you can hear from one end to the other, even <laughs> if you think you're not. I, I do hear things, but I feel like I have a responsibility that that's their conversation. Sure, but do you feel like you've you've kind of got like the inside? scoop most of the time every <laughs> once in a while somebody will come in did you hear and i'm like no and i'm the no. coffee shop i should have heard this first <laughs> nope well and it's probably important that you that you don't uh, spread things around because then uh other trails wouldn't be what it is right now right so. right and yeah. that's you know <clears throat> would i think be angry if you know if i was like oh i heard x you know say this about z and you know that, that would be wrong yep how do you feel about excelsior right now like are you excited of, of you kind of excited where Excelsior's headed? It's like we continue to kind of add and, and plus on a lot of the success downtown. Yes. Downtown success is growing, I feel. The Lithia Landing, I'm so excited about that because, well, as you know, that spot next to Willow has just been like a, it needs something. It, mm-hmm. I won't say it's a wound, I mean, because it's not ugly, but boy, where they're wanting to build that little gazebo landing sitting area. That's that's just going to be beautiful, and everything we do to make downtown beautiful is great. I think that's Keith and uh, Lindsay that are spearheading that. Boy, you couldn't ask for better, Lindsay. She keeps downtown going. I don't think the growth would be as great without her. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's interesting you say that because I think I, I couldn't agree more. The the events. It feels like there's an event. Almost every other month is that fair, or is it almost monthly? Yeah, sometimes it feels monthly. But those those events really draw folks um, into our downtown and show off um, what we do and and just kind of what we have, and that's that's really important. One of the the things that I've often thought about is the elms, and I and I bring up the elms because it really is. Like if you were to tie yarn to every business in in town, um, especially downtown, um, tie them all together, it would all lead back to like to the elms. It would lead back to the elms, but I would say the elms would suffer if it didn't have downtown. The rest of downtown. Does that make sense? It's a hundred percent true. We we're symbiotic. I, the elms. We need the elms. Mm-hmm. They they bring in the tourists. Tourists would have nothing to do. They want to explore a town. Yeah, otherwise it would just be a hotel stay with a and a spa treatment, and then they'd be going back home. Right. And so this for sure makes uh, gives so much more to their guest. Um, but and that's why what Lindsay and the DEP is doing um, with all these events, I think, is so important because it's it's actually bringing folks into town, not necessarily because of the elms that's bringing folks into town for these other these other reasons so it kind of um kind of creates more of a more of a cycle as opposed to just like uh and the tourists they bring in it's not not just tourists from nebraska and oklahoma iowa um it is the tourists from kansas city and liberty Mm -hmm. i mean we get so many of them in the store and they're like, Oh, I, I come down here X amount of times per year, you mm-hmm. know, and they're from Liberty. Liberty's growth is going to 
probably engulf us at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and when that happens, I don't. I I hope we don't lose downtown. To I I, I don't want to say downtown will become some kind of you know like with a Starbucks <laughs> on every corner, but because you don't see that in Liberty yet, but mm-hmm. Liberty is growing so much. Um, I could see it really impacting things here in Excelsior. Mm-hmm. And it, it should be good. Um, but those people from Liberty, they know we're here. Mm-hmm. Those people from Kansas City, Overland Park, they know we're here. And that's that's a lot to do with Lindsay. Again, going back to her. Yeah. All right. What do you know? It's been about an hour. <sighs> that's been, that was only been an rough. hour. <laughs> so to our <laughs> listeners, no, Jody was not like... Totally You're, thrilled to do this. Um, uh, it wasn't. I, I Phil is such. You are such a good friend, <laughs> and I like. I did not want to disappoint you, but but I get anxiety like you don't believe. You put a camera or this microphone in front of me, and it's it's hard. So it can be. I mean, like I, you know, I've told every guest that I'm I'm still learning this. Um, it's not uh, totally relaxed. So I hope I get to the point where like. Just be a lot relaxed. And, oh, you seem relaxed. Um, oh, I'm I've got pits. <laughs> I'm going to have to go home and take a shower. <clears throat> All right. So, uh, nuggets and verse. It's time. Let's share your nugget. Did you prepare for this? I, I did. <laughs> I just. So, in February, I had a health issue. And, I, you know, I tried to be nice to everybody. But that came back hundredfold try not to get the feels again but I never realized how many people kind of cared about me until that happened and I don't know if it's just being friendly to everybody that gets me there I don't know what gets it but I am so thankful and it's not a nugget but it it is when you you talk about your friends and our group or adventure club the fishing river adventure club and and the the people that stepped in, Heather, Lucia, Julie, Linda, Linda had to run a show. Amanda came down and baked. Everybody that my mom and dad that filled in while I was gone, and and carried on the shop. Um, I guess my nugget is to be kind. I, it, it it pays off in the end. I mean, not that I, there's an end, but right now, but. <laughs> I just was overwhelmed by the kindness I got back while I was while I was down. So, mm-hmm. well, I can I think I could could confidently speak for for a lot of people and say, um, you're I mean you're one of the kindest people I know. Um, you're just you know you're just a kind nice person, and we don't give enough uh, credit to people with people that are kind, uh, I don't feel like anymore. Um, it's, it's, you know, there's a little bit in our society about being seen right now, being seen, being noticed, having your point of view, um, blasted out or heard. Um, but man, you're just kind. And like, I, like people, whether they realize they're not, um, are, you know, I think people are gravi- gravitate to kindness, even though it's not um, 
the thing that we focus on in society and media. So, and it's, it's for sure the reason why other trails has been successful. It's, it's for sure why there's so many seats filled up in there. Yeah. It's a big deal. I'm happy to, I'm happy that I know you. too <laughs> <laughs> all right uh thanks again jody you're welcome Phil. this episode of nuggets and verse was recorded in the hayloft of our beloved red barn just outside of historic excelsior springs missouri be kind and share your nugget